0: Morning everyone at home or if you're watching online, it's great to have you with us this morning and hi to everyone here as well. If you're visiting, uh, really warm welcome to you. If we haven't met before, my name is Matthew and hope you're enjoying being with us this morning. Now, does anyone um, like pick and mix? Anybody here like pick and mix or when you were younger, enjoy a bit of pick and mix? You don't. I don't know, you don't see it as much these days, I don't think. Uh, back in the day though, where would you go to get pick and mix? Shout out to Woolworths, that's right. Woolworths was the place for pick and mix. Now, I remember one time um, when I was a kid, um, my granddad came down uh, to visit. It was around Christmas time. He often watches online. Hi, if you're watching granddad. And he came down to visit around Christmas time and he took Rachel, Chloe and myself out uh, to get a Chris- to choose a Christmas present. So we went down to Woolworths And uh, I don't know, we had maybe 10 pounds, or do you know what I mean? Something like that. And uh, Rachel, I think, chose a CD, and I chose a toy. And Chloe, Chloe loved sweets and chocolate. And obviously, you know, my parents would have to ration the amount of sweets and chocolate so she would get her hand on, because, you know, she she, um, loves them. And... uh, what did Chloe ask for from Grandad? She just wanted pick and mix, and so Chloe used her full allowance from my Grandad and and got the most enormous pick and mix you could possibly imagine. It was a bag one, and it was overflowing with um, sweets and chocolates and things, and you were loving it, weren't you? And uh, my mum, when, when you came home with it, she was um, mixed. Emotions, shall we say, and uh, it went into the fridge, and it lasted you weeks and weeks. And so, well done, granddad. I think when you're a grandparent, you can just get away with stuff like that. But there we go. So, anyway, that's a bit random, but that's because I feel like today's talk is a little bit of a, a pick and mix. Kind of talk, okay, because today we're actually doing the last in the series. We've been running this two part series, which we started all the way back in February, and today I'm rounding it off. In fact, next week I think we're going to be starting an exciting new series, so look forward to that. But over the last uh, months or so, first of all, we started with our Journey to the Cross series, where we were looking at Jesus' life and as he headed towards Jerusalem, where he knew he was going to give his life for us on the cross and in. that moment and in that period we saw how jesus in particular was preparing his followers and equipping them to continue to do the things that jesus had been doing and to equip them to continue his mission and his purpose in bringing god's love and goodness and rescue uh, into the world and then we saw at easter how jesus gave his life for us on the cross and how he came back to life again defeating death and that he's alive now He returned to heaven, and we can have relationship with God and the gift of eternal life because of what Jesus has done for us. And then we started our season two, which we couldn't think of a, of, a better, of a good name, so we just called it season two, and this was looking at life after uh, Jesus' resurrection, the early church, and how they continued to do the things that Jesus said and did, and they put into practice all that Jesus had like, put into them, and uh, the amazing message and good news of Jesus began to spread, and that's what we've been exploring over these last few weeks. So today I'm rounding it up. It's a little bit of like a pick and mix because I'm going to pull out a few highlights from the series, a few of my favorite bits. Okay? And so if you've missed the whole series, don't worry. If you just catch this next 30 minutes, hopefully I'll round it up for you. We'll see. And um, So we've got a few highlights first, but conveniently so these three highlights i've picked out they also we see them in the story where we got up to so far so we'll round that off and uh, i'll pull out a couple of things is that okay are you on board with that so it's a little bit so hopefully there's a little bit of something for everyone today let's go for it so just to recap the last couple of weeks we saw that the followers of Jesus, the early church, they began to spread, they shared the things that Jesus did, people were healed, there were miracles, the church grew, it was amazing, and then suddenly with all that happening, they faced persecution. The same people who had wanted to arrest and kill Jesus, they didn't like what was going on and they began to arrest and kill and oppose uh, the followers of Jesus and they ended up being scattered all over. In Acts 8 it says, a great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem, and all the believers, except the apostles, were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. And uh, we saw how Saul, we were looking at Saul the last few weeks, it says, Saul, he was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw in prison. But we looked at Saul's life a bit over the last few weeks, didn't we? We saw how Saul, when he was on one of these missions to arrest Followers of Jesus. He had an encounter with Jesus. He realized that Jesus was alive, that Jesus is real, that Jesus is the Son of God. It turned his life around. He began to follow Jesus himself. He changed his name later from Saul to Paul and he wanted to join the church. But at first, the church were afraid. They knew his reputation, they were afraid of him. And we saw that it took Barnabas to come along and Barnabas realized the solar change changed, and he introduced them to the church, and uh, that was fantastic. So that's what we've looked at the last few weeks. And then Luke, who recorded Acts, he uh, skips back and, and looks like at uh, the big picture, and this is what kind of happened next. He says this, meanwhile, those believers who had been scattered during the persecution traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch of Syria. They preached the word of God, and the power of the Lord was with them. And large numbers of Gentiles, so those people who weren't Jews, large numbers of Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. And it was at Antioch that the believers were first called Christians. So these believers, they were scattered around, but they just did what Jesus had encouraged them to do and what. The other churches in the country they shared about Jesus. They shared their faith. They prayed for others. God's power was with them. And as they did, they saw the church grow in new places, totally new places, totally new cultures, totally new contexts. And then last week we saw how uh, Paul and Barnabas come and join, join these uh, Christians in Antioch. And the next part of Acts, when you read through, we see Paul's adventures and Paul and Barnabas' adventures as they're sent out, and they went and traveled and did all amazing things. So that's what we were up to so far. So we're not going to, like, carry on through Acts. You can obviously read it at home. It's very exciting if you've not read it already. We also did a series a couple of years ago on Paul's journeys. So if you want to check it out in more detail, then go for it there. But looking at these last, this last couple of weeks, here are some three things that I think have really stood out over this whole series and three really key things for us as church and as followers of Jesus to take with us and to continue to put into practice. And the first one is this, is as we've looked through this series, we've seen how, number one, Jesus' plan from the beginning to partner with people, to bring his plans and purposes, his goodness, his love, his forgiveness, his healing, into the world through his followers, through his church, through the Holy Spirit, that it worked. Jesus' plan worked. Now, don't you love it when a plan comes together? Have we got any planners here? Some people are planners, aren't they? Some people are go with the flow people. I, I see myself I'm, i like to be a bit of a planner. Go with the flow. It's meant to be like carefree, but it stresses me out. Hands up if you if are if you're a planner. Who's like a planner here? Okay. Bit of a mixture. Who's a go with the flow person? Okay, we've got some... I don't understand you. Go with the flow, people. Okay, I don't understand you. I know we've got some top planners, our PT planners over there. They help people transform their lives. If anyone knows how to get a plan working, they know how to get a plan working. Seen loads of amazing pictures of people following their plans. Now then, I thought I was a bit of a planner until recently someone... I I discovered someone has taken planning to the next level. And back a few months ago, Precious and myself, B and Darko, when the restrictions were lifted and things, we went on a little trip up to North Wales together, and we'd got together, and we'd talked about some ideas. And then just before we land, B text a little text on our WhatsApp group saying, oh, this is the, the gist of the plan for the weekend, okay? Now, this is probably, for the, the, this isn't the full plan, this is the gist of the plan, okay? It's probably one of the greatest texts I've ever received in my life as a plan. Okay, let's have a look at this. This... The gist of the plan for the weekend. Look at that! This is amazing. 7:30, sorry, 5:30, 8:15, quarter ten. Amazing. And what I love as well. Bedtime snacks in bold. <laughs> bedtime. Wow. How exciting is that? So, be fair play to you. That was impressive. I love it when a plan goes together. And for Jesus, a major part of Jesus' plan when he was here on Earth was to train and equip his followers to do the same things that he was doing. So that when he returned to heaven, he would send us the Holy Spirit and his followers, you and me, would continue to do the things that Jesus did and continue his mission on the earth until he returns. So when Jesus, we saw when he first called some of his very first disciples, Peter and Andrew, this is what he said to them. He said, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So Jesus, he was all about relationship, all about partnership, all about doing it together. Even as he called them right at the beginning, he wanted to train them. He wanted to equip them. He wanted to ready them for a purpose. I will make you fishers of men. It wasn't just come and follow me and and watch what I do, but I'm gonna do something and you're gonna go and do it and join in. And then we saw Jesus sent out the 12 to heal the sick and to share what Jesus was doing. And then later on, he sent out 72 of his followers to do the same. In Luke 10 it says this, after this the Lord appointed 72 others and he sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. And he told them, heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. And then later on, after his resurrection, before Jesus returned to heaven, he called all his followers together and he said, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, right down to us today, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of their age, just as we heard in the kid's spot. So Jesus wants his followers, asks us to be taught everything that he taught his first disciples, including like we just saw, to heal the sick, to pray for our friends, to share about Jesus, to do the things that Jesus was doing. Isn't that amazing that we are included as well? So we can share our stories, we can pray for people, we can see people healed, we can live like Jesus did, and we can love others like Jesus did. Last week, um, we're up here, we were doing some filming with New Wine Cymru, New Wine Wales, and we were filming um, some training for running healing cafes. And uh, this is something that we've done from time to time where we turn now we've got a cafe, but when we were in our Penland building, we would turn it into the best cafe that we could, and other churches who have coffee shops do this. And, and then we'd run a cafe, and invite, people could invite their friends. And we would pray for them, and people would be prayed uh, for healing, and we'd seen loads of people healed in healing cafes, and loads of the church would join in, and and, uh, it was amazing. And so we were doing a training for other churches that want to join in. Anyway, the the person who was doing the filming, she's a freelance videographer, and she's done lots of filming with New One Cymru, and after the filming, she said, oh, let me tell you my story, and she said how she has this, uh, you said this eye condition called nystagmus, I think I'm saying that right, I had to look it up, and um, it, was, it was so bad that it meant that she, she couldn't drive, she wasn't allowed to drive, um, she didn't have the, you know, the right vision and things. And she's a freelance videographer, that's her business. And so it was difficult for her because when she would get jobs, she'd have to get, find a lift from friends to take her to these different places or, you know, get a taxi or public transport, and it was a challenge. And one time, she'd done some film with New Vancouver, and then she was meeting with my parents, and they were going through some of the filming together. And uh, they saw her got dropped off by a friend, and they asked her, oh, you know, are you learned to drive. And she said, oh, I can't drive, I've got nystagmus, et etc." And uh, they said, oh, well, this, this won't do. Let's pray for you. And so they prayed for her and just simply prayed that in the name of Jesus, that her eyes would be healed, that she'd be able to drive. And after they prayed for her, she went back to the opticians. She got retested. And they said, oh, do you know what? Your eyes are, you know, the condition or what? Your eyes have changed and, and you are able to drive. And she went and she did driving lessons. She passed her test. And when she turned up to the film and she was here in her own car. Uh, Isn't that fantastic? Isn't that amazing? And Jesus said, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. So for us as a church, let's be encouraged to keep doing the things that Jesus did, to keep growing, to be more like Jesus. And to, you know, just like we see the church in Antioch, that they, they weren't the 12 disciples, they weren't the, you know, they weren't famous, here we go, the believers who went to Antioch, they began telling the Gentiles where the Lord Jesus, the power of the Lord was with them, you know, it wasn't the famous ones, they, they're not even named, they were ordinary Christians like you and me, so let's be encouraged to continue to do the things that Jesus did, to learn more about how we can do it, to share our faith, to be courageous, and to pursue this in our lives and as a church together. Are you up for that? I think that's one thing that's come out to this series, isn't it? So let's continue to do that together. So that's number one. Okay, number two, the second thing that I think we've noticed as we go through this series together is actually thinking about how these believers in Antioch were there in the first place, that they were fleeing persecution. And one thing I've really noticed as we've gone through this series is how, for the followers of Jesus... It wasn't always easy. And sometimes they went through really tough and difficult and challenging times. And in this instance, they had to flee their homes and they were being, you know, imprisoned and all sorts of terrible things. And sometimes as we read through the Bible and the New Testament, we see the exciting stories and the miracles and the answers to prayer. And it can be easy to forget that, you know, those answers to prayer or those miracles were often because things were really tough and things were really hard. And as we know today, you know, there are many Christians across our world who are facing persecution in the same way. And, you know, we've been hearing things in Afghanistan as well, you know, in the last few weeks, but, you know, in other nations as well. And it's really important for us to remember to, to pray for them. And, and there's great charities like Open Doors and Tear Fund, where we can look up and find out different ways that we can help or things that we can pray into and th- ways that we can support. And that's really important. And then next in this story, with these believers in Antioch this is what happened next it says during this time some prophets traveled from Jerusalem to Antioch they were visiting the church there and one of them named Agabus he stood up in one of the meetings and prophesied by the spirit that a great famine was coming upon the entire Roman world this happened during the reign of Claudius so the believers in Antioch decided to send relief to the brothers and sisters in Judea everyone giving as much as they could This they did, entrusting their gifts to Barnabas and Saul to take to the elders of the church in Jerusalem. And so Agabus, the Holy Spirit shows him a famine is coming. He shares it with the church. They gather together. They collect, you know, money and relief. They send it back with Paul and Barnabas. So here we see for those, you know, followers of Jesus and the whole place, you know, a famine hit. And famines, you know, would be devastating in those times, you know, devastating, and Josephus, this is, um, he was a Jewish historian who later defected to Rome um, and became a Roman citizen. He actually recorded this famine in his like, history of the time, and he talks about how this Queen Helena came and brought like provisions, and he says this. Her arrival was very advantageous to the people of Jerusalem, for a famine oppressed them at that time, and many people died for want of money to procure food. So a severe famine hit, and is recorded in other places in history as well. And so for, yeah, the early church, we can see, it was hard. They went through challenging times, just like you know, we do and we experience in our lives. And you know, even Jesus experienced loss. You know, we know he lost Joseph, and he lost his um, cousin John the Baptist. And one time, Jesus said to his friends, he said, as he, before he went to the cross, he was sharing with them, and he said, I've told you all this, so you might have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart, because I have overcome the world. And, you know, for us, I feel like God really wants to encourage us that, you know, we know that we, you know, we live in a broken world, and we all experience it in different ways at different times. But in these moments we can remember that you know this is why jesus came in the first place jesus came to bring the ultimate rescue of our world and he promises that one day he will return and the earth will be made new that heaven and earth will be one and there will be no more crying and no more death and no more pain and no more struggle and earth and heaven will be one and that death is being defeated you know and death is not the end but we can receive the gift of eternal life. And so as we go through the challenges of life sometimes, we can be assured, and you can be assured, that you are not alone, that you are not forgotten, that Jesus is with you. As he said to you, know, we will face trouble, but take heart, he has overcome the world, and he is with you. In Romans 8, it says this, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No. Despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. And Jesus is with you. He is with us and he will empower us through his Holy Spirit. And as our church family together, we can strengthen one another as we go through challenging times. I know many people here have been through challenging times in this last year. Let me encourage you that God is with you and he wants to strengthen you. In Psalm 23, it says, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So let's let's know that Jesus is with us. And if you're here or if you're watching and you're in the middle of a challenging season at the moment, I want to take a moment to pray for you right now, that you would know the strength of the Holy Spirit with you, that you would know God with you, walking you through, and that you would know His presence, His peace, and just like we sang in the worship, that you would show His power as well, that we can see Him do amazing things in our lives when we can see no solution. So let me, let's just take a moment, let's pray, and if you're, you know, Things are going well for you at the moment. Just take a moment to pray for any that you know who are going through a difficult season. Jesus, I thank you that you are with every single one of us. I thank you that as you shared with your disciples that sometimes we will go through challenging times, but to take heart because you have overcome the world, and I pray right now, would we know you're overcoming power and presence with us Would you bring your peace to our hearts? I pray, Lord, would you bring your comfort to those who've been in a challenging season? Would you strengthen them, Lord? Would they know your goodness and even your joy in this time? We pray, Lord God, that you would walk them through this season, that they would know you close. In the name of Jesus, amen. Okay, and then finally, number three, the third thing that's really stood out to me as we've gone through this series together is the way that church is family and that we belong to Jesus and we belong to one another. And I love the response of the believers in Antioch. It says, so the believers, when they heard about the famine, it says the believers in Antioch decided to send relief to their brothers and sisters in Judea. And for most of these believers in Antioch, they will have never have met the people in Judea they would they wouldn't know them they wouldn't have met them but yet they saw them as brothers and sisters and this was a real hallmark of the early church and it was and really it was a new phenomenon in that time where society was very divided between rich and poor slave and free men and women you know Jews and gentiles and different nationalities very divided society much kind of more than even we You know, our world can be like that sometimes, but it was so prevalent then. And now suddenly, you had this coming together where people were seeing each other as brothers and sisters across social boundaries that would never be crossed before. And people looked on and thought, what's bringing these people together? And that's why they ended up with the name Christians, because something new was happening. And they were called Christians for the first time and paul he later wrote to another church in Gal- in galatians and he says for you are all children of god through faith in christ jesus and all who have been united with christ in baptism have put on christ like putting on new clothes <clears throat> excuse me there is no longer jew or gentile slave or free male and female for you are all one in christ and now you belong to christ so we belong to jesus and we belong to one another and I love how Paul puts it here about, like, putting on new clothes that we put on Christ. Because I was thinking how, that's how often we do identify, isn't it? Like, where we belong, who we support, what we belong to. We, we identify it with our clothes and the things that we wear. Even, you know, sometimes a full outfit, like Rousseau with his full kit. Or, some, you know, sometimes people like, a little badge on of something they belong to. Or, you know, we, we do this, don't we? We've got a few um, young people who are heading off to uni, uh, in September, and I don't know how they'll do it with COVID. But you know, when when you first go after uni, um, they are fresh week than they, and when they have the freshest fair. And there'll be like a big hall and all the societies will come and they'll set at their stalls and try and get you to join their society. And you have like sensible ones, ones you'd expect, as you know, like the university newspaper or, I don't know, different ones for the different subjects. And then you have the like the random ones, like the Scrabble Society or in Miami, they had a, choc- a Chocoholic Society. And, and even the random societies will have their own hoodies and T-shirts and stash so you could show, you know, where you belong And, you know, belonging is important, isn't it? We all want to belong. We all need to belong. It's a human need to belong. And, you know, we have all these different things that we belong to in different ways. And those are, you know, those are really good and they bring life to us. But for us as well, ultimately, we have a place of belonging that is foundational and is deeper than, you know, even all these things. It's deep and it's unchanging. As our life changes, this is a place of belonging that will never change. It lasts wherever we are. That we belong to God. And it's something that we don't have to prove ourselves in as well. You know, sometimes if you go to a new job or sign a new team or whatever, sometimes, got to prove, sometimes you feel like you've got to prove your worth a little bit, haven't you? you know, you've got to get into the team or you've got to you know, show you're working hard or whatever. But when we belong to God, he loves us for who we are. He loves us and we belong. In Ephesians it says this, Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us. In Christ, to be holy and without fault in his eyes, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. I love that. This is what God wanted to do. It's what he wanted to do. He wanted to adopt you into his family, and it brings him pleasure. Isn't that amazing? And just yesterday... I caught up with a friend who I haven't seen for a while, and years ago, he was healed of a neck injury, and he wasn't a Christian at the time, and we were chatting about it just yesterday. And he said to me that, he followed, he's a Christian now, he said to me that what amazed him most wasn't that he was healed, but he said that he experienced this over, the way he described it was, an overwhelming feeling that I'd never had before that God was there and everything was going to be okay. And that's how he described it. And I would say that he was experienced for the first time God's love. He was experiencing it for himself, that belonging, that welcome, that acceptance, that knowing that God is alive and loves him, and is for him. And he felt belonging for the first time. And the way he put it was, everything was going to be okay. It's not that everything in his life was, you know, like, I don't know, we won the lottery or something. That's not what he meant. But even in what he was going through, everything is going to be okay. And that's what we were made for. We were made for relationship with God and to live out of that place of belonging, the security and peace that that brings to our hearts and our lives. And for my friend, he, this was new for him. He'd not experienced that before. And that's because as... People, as we read in the Bible, you know, humanity rejected God and, if you like, walked away from the relationship that God had for us. And so we can find ourselves separated from God, separated from that belonging, separated from that friendship, but that's not what God wants. As we see here, it brings God great pleasure to bring us into relationship, and that's why God came into the world himself as a man, Jesus, so we could see that God is close And God loves us so much that his own son, Jesus, went all the way to the cross and died, not for the things that he had done wrong, but died for the things that we have done wrong, that we've ever done or ever will do, so that we could be totally forgiven for the mistakes that we have made, and we could be totally forgiven for times where we've walked away from God or rejected him or hurt ourselves or hurt others, that nothing would separate us. And Jesus because he was God's son, had done nothing wrong himself, he was raised to life again, and he defeated death, and he won for us eternal life, and relationship with God, and now for any one of us When we think, you know, I do want relationship with God. I do want to belong to God's family. I do want to have that assurance. I do want the gift of eternal life. I do want to discover the purpose and plan that God has for me and the good things. And I do want to do the things that Jesus did and bring his goodness and love into the world around me and share that. I do want those things. Then we can say yes to Jesus, a yes to a relationship with him. Say, yeah, I want to start a friendship. And it's a friendship that begins now and lasts our whole lives and into eternity And all we say is, yes, Jesus, I say yes to you. And I welcome that into my life. And if you're watching online or if you're here today and you think, do you know what? Like my friend, I don't know if I've done that before. I don't know if I've said yes and started my own relationship and friendship with Jesus for myself. And I want to invite you to, why not do it with me now? And you can say yes to him. So we could pray together right now. We can do it at any moment. So why don't we pray? And if you'd like to, you can just pray along with me a simple prayer and say, God, I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you send your own son, Jesus, into the world so I could have relationship with you, so I could be adopted into your family, so I could know your love and your purpose for my life. So I say yes to friendship with you. Would you forgive me for the things I've done wrong? Would you come into my life now And help me to live for you and to discover all that you have thank you jesus amen when we say yes to jesus in the bible it says that we receive the holy spirit god himself comes into our lives and he is with us always and we are adopted into god's family we belong to god and so we're part of a family so we don't just belong to god but we belong to one another Jesus didn't come in the world just to rescue individuals dotted around or separated. Jesus came to win a family. In Ephesians it says this, Christ loved the church and gave his life for it. And as we've seen in this series, church is not a building and it's more than a meeting, but church is a family. And we are a family together. We are brothers and sisters. And the Bible describes as Jesus, that he is our, our older brother, And what I love about the way the Bible talks about how we're a family, the Bible talks about church in lots of different ways, and it uses examples to help us like understand it. And so sometimes, you know, Paul writes how the church is like a body, and just as the body has all different parts, you know, and every part is needed, that we're a body together, and every part has a a part to play, and every person is important. So the church is like a body. And Peter writes how the church is like a building, and Jesus is the foundation, and we're all like living stones being built together for a purpose. So the church is like a body, the church is like a building, but when it says the church is a family, it's not saying that church is like a family, it's saying the church is a family. So we have our biological family, and obviously that's really important, but also church is a family. We are brothers and sisters, and we're not joined biologically, but we're joined together through Jesus, and it's real, and that's an amazing thing that we belong to. So for us, as we close this series, as we've been exploring the early church, let's remember these things and let's carry these things forward together. That Number one, we belong to Jesus and you can know that he is with you in every season. In every season, he is with you. Number two, that we belong to each other. So let's be encouraged to continue to pursue family life together, to love one another, to be there for one another, to connect in, to play our part, to find a role, to, to just be family together, to support one another. And then number three, together as followers of Jesus, we're called to do the things that Jesus did, to share all the good things we've experienced with our friends our neighbors, our community, our city, and to bring the blessing that God's poured into us into our world together as a family. What a fantastic thing to be called to do, isn't it? So let's remember those three things. Those are my three highlights from the series. So why don't we pray together to round it off? Is that okay? So if you want to, you can stand with me and let's pray together and let's pray that the Holy Spirit would help us do these things together. Father, I thank you for the amazing gift of church, the amazing gift of family. Thank you for the early church and all the lessons we've learned exploring, you know, what they did and what you did through them and how we can do the same things today. And I pray for each and every one of us, would you help us to grow together, to grow as church family in our relationship with one another, in our care for one another, in our love for one another, and also that we would extend that into our love for the world, into our love for our neighbors, our friends, our city, our community, that they would know the goodness of God and your favor and your welcome in their lives. So Holy Spirit, I pray, would you come now? Fill us again with your presence. Strengthen us. Embolden us. And empower us, just like you did with the early church we would see you do amazing things in our life together. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen.